and she introduced the theme of uh, set free in 23. I want us to think a little bit about uh, where we're at at the moment. And thank you, Dave, for the uh, devotion about looking back but also looking ahead. And I think that's what we're looking at for this year in 23. What's God got planned? I don't know about you, but I'm excited about 23. Now, you've probably heard me say that I'm excited for every new year. Yeah, and for the past uh, 11 or 12 years that we've been here, for 13 years, I get excited about every new year. Because the excitement for me is we just don't know what God's going to do. We don't know what he's going to do in our lives individually. We don't know what he's going to do in our families' lives, in the, in the life of the church, in the life of the community. But we can be sure of one thing. He is working. And he is doing stuff. And if he chooses to reveal it to us, then we can get excited about that as well. But the excitement comes from knowing God, as Cheryl reminded us, walking with him day by day so that we can be ready for what he decides to show to us. One of the things I want us to think about being New Year's Day is uh, this thing. All right, who's done it already? New Year's resolutions. Actually, before that, there's another question. Who saw the Midnight Inn last night? There are so, still some silly people in our community. <laughs> no, no, good on you. Good on you. I was, uh, I, was, I was putting out Zeds by then. But uh, anybody had a go at New Year's resolutions? Don't have to be honest about that one. But the reality is that uh, it's a good thought, isn't it? And believe it or not, there's actually been some studies done on New Year resolutions. And the, the bad news is that 80% of people that make New Year resolutions, by the time February comes along, guess what? They've given up already. But that means that there's a possible... 20% that are actually staying true to their new, new Year's resolutions. But I, did some, I thought to myself, where does all this come from? Anybody ever had that thought? Where do these New Year's resolutions come from? Because nobody keeps them. Oh, sorry. Five per, five per, uh, a fifth of the population keeps them. I don't. I've never made New Year's resolutions. And I did some research, and it's actually about 3,500 years old from the Babylonian times. Is they believe when New Year's resolutions started and the Babylonians at the time made these promises to try and curry some favour with their gods of the day. What sort of promises did they make? They, uh, they pledged their loyalty to the king, whether it be to the current king or the new king that was coming in. They pledged their, they pledged their desire to pay off their debts and to uh, return borrowed items. Gee, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, I, I hear those sort of New Year's resolutions. And with the hope that they would be blessed because they had done these things. They hoped that by making these commitments that the gods of the day would bring uh, prosperity to them. So I can understand why these days people make all these, have these great intentions, but unless they're committed, unless they're committed to follow through, they're not going to happen, are they? Where do we sit as followers of Jesus? Where do we sit as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to our attitudes towards the new year? Not necessarily making new resolutions, New Year's resolutions, but do you know, in reality, today is no different to yesterday. Is that true? Other than God's got us here planned for today. So when you wake up in the morning, what do you say? Say, thank God for the new day. Sure. Thank God that I'm breathing. Some of us might say that. Thank you, God, for what you've got planned ahead for this day. 
wonder if that's our attitude. So then, the scriptures are true. It says, new every morning is new. We can know God in a new way, a fresh way, every day. So for us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does it mean for us to be set free in 2023? What does it mean? We need to live in in our country as citizens. What does Australia is considered one of the freest countries in the world? And I thought, well, what does that mean for us as as believers in Australia, in our in our country, as citizens in our country? What can we expect as freedoms in our country? So I went to actually a government website, and I do that every now and then, and I found this definition. It says, Australia is founded on the rule of law and has a strong tradition of respect for rights and freedoms of every individual. Human rights are recognised and protected across Australia through a range of laws at the federal, state and territory levels, the Australian Constitution and the common law. So, so some of our freedoms are protected by law. And I thought, well, what does that really mean? So I found, ah, oh, that's, what, that's what you're going to see regularly, folks, set free in 2023. What does the law specify? It actually makes it a little bit more specific. We don't have a declaration of independence like they do in the USA, where the life, liberty and the pursuit of justice is described. But we do have some things that we could, as it were, hold our government accountable to if we wanted to, about what's actually written in law. This is what it says. The Australian government is committed to protecting and promoting traditional rights and freedoms, including freedom of speech, Opinion, freedom of opinion, freedom of religion, freedom of association, and freedom of movement. But it goes on to say, these rights and freedoms are protected by the common law principle that legislation should not infringe infringe fundamental rights and freedoms unless the legislation expresses a clear intention to do so and the infringement is reasonable. Now, my take on that is they can change the rules if they want to. And we've seen in the last couple of years the rules have been changed. We've had freedom of movement around our country in the last two years, haven't we? Sadly, there is less freedom of religion in our country. So how do we, as followers of Jesus, live lives that are set free in the midst of this environment today? That's the challenge that I think is before us next year. This year, this year, keep on saying next year that we need to know who we are in Christ, that we are set free in Christ, that we might be able to live free in our day-to-day lives. What does that look like for us? That's what we're going to explore this morning, four aspects of what it means to be set free in Christ. Discovering our freedom in Christ. The only way that we can be set free is through hearing, uh, believing, and responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our day-to-day lives. What happens? What's the first aspect? We need to proclaim our freedom. We need to understand why Christ came. Why did he come? Why did he come to this world? And he actually tells us in his in the records that we have of, of what he taught in the gospels. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. 
when I read that verse, I thought, do I fit into any of those categories? You know, have I been blind to some things about God in the past? Yes, I have. Have I been a prisoner to some things in life? Yes, I have. Have I been oppressed? Yes, I have. Let alone the very uh, literal aspects of that. The prisoners in jail, those that have been oppressed. Jesus came for the express purpose of setting people free. He did amazing things, didn't he? He healed the sick. He performed miracles. The blind saw, the lame walked. All these amazing things. But the main reason that Jesus came was to set lost people free. And as we saw in the children's video this morning, lost people free from the burden of sin and disobedience to God. He came to bring salvation to all who would repent of going their own way and would turn to follow him. That's the proclamation of our freedom. What did he preach? In John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36, I think Cheryl read some of these verses. Why don't we read this together? Verse 31, John chapter 8, verse 31. Let's read it. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He preached that the problem that man has is sin. The problem that man has is disobedience from God, going their own way rather than going God's way. And that that problem enslaves them. It, it, It brings bondage into their lives. And... All people have that problem. But the good news is that he came and he preached that he was sent from the Father to tell people, all people, that they could be set free from that bondage, set free from that slavery, and they could be reconciled to God. So the first aspect of our lives being lives that are lived as being set free is the proclamation of that freedom. The second aspect that we need to consider and live out is the procurement of our freedom. How did it happen? What what happened that our freedom might be ours to own and to live with? The reality is that Christ paid the price, didn't he? That's exactly what we talked about and what we remembered in the communion this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. If there's any verse you want to remember and learn off by heart, that's one of those verses. Christ died for you, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we might have life. I read this story. Some of us might have been in places where we've experienced hailstorms. Has anybody been in a place where you've experienced a hailstorm? Anybody in a place where you've experienced really big hailstones? Some of us have. Well, this is a story about that. These hailstones are the size of a fist, a person's fist. So think about that. The story goes that a man and a woman were caught in the middle of a hailstorm. 
and they were surprised by it because it came out of nowhere. They had nowhere to run, nowhere to shelter, nowhere to protect them. The man put his wife down on the ground and spread his body over her. And these fist-sized hail, hail stones beat him to pieces, as it were. When it was finished, the, he was knocked unconscious. He was taken to the local hospital. He was treated for facial bone breakage and other parts of his body, stitches all over his body. The scars never went away, the story goes. Later, a journalist asked the question about the horrible scars that her husband had. You know what her answer was? Those scars aren't ugly to me. Every time I look at them, I'm reminded how much he loves me and how he sacrificed himself for me. That's what God's, that's what Christ has done for us, hasn't he? You know, there's no one going to have any scars in heaven except who? Jesus. Scars in his hands, on his feet, and the sword mark, spear mark in his side. And they will be there for eternity to remind us that those scars are what paid for the price of our sin. And that's how our freedom was procured. Christ accomplished what no one else could do when he went to the cross for us. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's what God's done. At one time we were held captive to that earthly kingdom, to that earthly domain where, where Satan rules and where he convinces us to do things against God rather than doing things for God. Jesus prayed, paid the price to free us from that domain. That's how we have the freedom that we have. Another aspect of our freedom is that we need to consider our, our blessings in regard to our freedom. We are freed from Satan's power, from the power of sin. How do we know that? I think it was the passage that Cheryl read earlier. Romans chapter 6 says this, If we have been united with him like this in his death, we certainly, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 14 says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, you are under grace. We are freed from that sin, from that power of sin, because of the price that Jesus paid. We are freed because of the price of sin, from the price of sin. And you know this verse, you've heard it preached on before, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, the death of our sin was paid in full. That frees us to live a life of obedience to Christ. That frees us to live the plan that God has for us. And that frees us from the eternal consequences of sin. We no longer have to fear the future. We no longer have to fear what's in store for those who don't put their faith in Jesus Christ. But we do need to know it. We do need to understand it because it will motivate us in one way or another. We are freed from the eternal consequences of sin. What are they? Revelation 21 verse 8 says this, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, 
Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And eternity in hell is what we're freed from when we place our faith in Jesus. God's promise is salvation to all who will believe in Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse 36 reminds us, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Repentance is absolutely important for salvation. We need to say, I deliberately choose to not go my own way, but I want to go God's way. Those who have eternal life are those who are willing to obey what God wants them to do. I wonder, is that your sense of freedom? I don't know about you, but uh, when when I, I work in a any situation, whether it be SES or the men's shed, those are some really easy illustrations, uh, we have regulations that we have to abide by. And, you know, that's like you have to stay within the in the uh, guidelines or the rules. But inside those rules or guidelines, there's incredible freedom. You know what the boundaries are. And this is God's way for us too. He gives us the boundaries. He gives us the safe boundaries when we know his word, when we walk with him personally. We receive our salvation when we repent of our sins. We receive our salvation when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, when we confess him as Lord. That's what the Bible tells us. That's the blessing of our freedom. There's another blessing. There's more yet. We are adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. There we are. We are adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. It wasn't just enough to free us from the slavery to sin. He actually invites us and adopts us into his family as children of the living God. Can I encourage you not to ever let the lies of the devil come into your mind and your heart to discourage you that you are not a child of God if you have confessed Christ, if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Saviour. All this is great. All this is good knowledge about what freedom, what we have as freedom. But there is a responsibility that comes with that freedom. And that's the last aspect that I want to look at this morning. What's our responsibility for the freedom that we have? We have to commit ourselves to remaining free. What do I mean by that? You know, when you make a New Year's resolution, you, you go at it with all your heart, but then you give up on it after a while. It's like that. It can be like that when we follow Jesus. We're excited about what God's done for us, the salvation that's new and that's wonderful and that, that's freeing, but then we realise that there's an ongoing commitment that we need to make. And that commitment is to, to walk with God daily. It's not to do our own thing and ask God if it's okay. It's to ask God first and then do what he tells us to do. That's that commitment to freedom. Galatians, Paul writes in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So it's a mental, sometimes physical response that we have to stand firm in what we know to be true so we don't slip back into that slavery of the world. God's desire is that we would be holy just as he is holy. And that's a case of, Lord, help me to get things in my life sorted out 
that you're not pleased with. Help me. Strengthen me. Jesus didn't die on the cross to save us, just to save us for our sins. He, he died on the cross to save us from our sins. That we might not sin again. When Jesus, when we make him Lord of our lives, we're asking him to take control. We're asking him to do, develop this new creature in our lives. And his command is that we never turn back to the way that we were. That's our responsibility. Commit yourself to that freedom. How do we do that? I think we have to commit ourselves to serve Christ. What's he asking us to do? And Paul writes again in Romans chapter 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. God wants us to be willing to obey him and to offer ourselves to him for his service. And in doing that, we will live out our responsibility for the freedom that he's gained for us. And we have to continue to allow him to transform us into the likeness of Christ. We need to continue to allow him to do that. Paul writes on in the next verse in Romans 12, he says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is that going my way, not going God's way. It's that pattern of selfishness and sin and disobedience. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. God's got a plan for you and me in 2023. See, that nearly rhymes, doesn't it? Set free in 2023. We are set free. We need to live out that freedom so that others might see it in action, might hear about it and might have the opportunity to respond to the, to the freedom that God offers to them too. Don't let the world twist us into the world's shape and into the world's mould, but let's allow God to transform our thinking and how we do life every day so we might know God's will. He wants to radically change our lives. He wants to set us free daily from the influence of Satan and the tendency to disobedience. But whether you live a set-free life is up to you. It's up to you and I. We need to choose daily. That's how we want to live. By listening to God, by reading his word, by understanding more what it means to be set free in Christ. And that's, that's the challenge for this year, for me. I want to know more what it means to be set free in Christ. Set free for Christ in 2023. And I want to be able to share that with other people. Friends in my community who are struggling with issues. Folk in, the, in our families who are struggling with issues. I would love them to be set free as they turn to faith in Jesus. The final challenge for today, I'm included in this, is I wonder if there's one person that comes to mind to you in your family or your close relatives that needs to be set free in 23. Why not pray for them every day this year and see what God does? Or perhaps there's somebody in the community that you've been praying for for some time and they've got issues that are, are binding them up and they're struggling with in life. Maybe just pray for that one person every day this year and see what God does. That's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge I'm going to take up and I trust it's a challenge that you will as well. Let's pray right now.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have gained through knowing Jesus as Lord and Saviour. We thank you for the freedom from that desire to go our own way rather than going your way. We thank you that we have that freedom from the consequences of doing that. And Father, we pray for strength day by day to live at that freedom uh, in our own lives, in the lives of our family and our friends and our community, that we might show people that they can be free from those anxieties and those uh, struggles that they're facing if they would turn, repent and turn to you and submit to you and your, your will for their lives. Father, we pray that that will be the example of our lives to those around about us, that we will choose to do your will and that, Father, we will be excited at what you lead us into in 2023. So, Lord, we pray for those family members that you've brought to mind. We pray for those friends that you've brought to mind, that they too will come to that place in this year where they surrender to Jesus and know the freedom that living with Jesus brings. We ask this for your glory. Amen.